As with every episode of Storytellers, this episode may contain themes, storylines, or ideas that may not be safe for work. Headphones are recommended, and listener discretion is greatly advised. storytellers i'm derek and my goal as always is to prove to you that anyone can tell a story today we are joined by three terrific storytellers uh starting with the madams podcast we have chris how are you doing today i am very excited to be here i had so much fun doing this <laughs> oh man you you i will say honestly started off a story that is I hope it turned out the way I hoped it did after I did my part. Let's do it like that. Like when I'm involved in the story, I don't listen to the story per se. I may go through and um, make sure the audio is at the right levels and all that kind of stuff. So I normalize it and things of that nature. But I strive as much as possible to avoid listening to the story because I want to be as happy as y'all are when you hear how it turns out. But yeah, this one... Yeah, this this is this is the whole thing. Um, we are also joined by Melissa. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> I'm really glad that I could contribute to it. I really enjoyed it. I'm so thankful that you uh, that you joined in because first of all, it's a pleasure to meet you, and secondly, it's a pleasure to hear your the way that your mind works and hear your story. It was it was an absolute gift. <laughs> <laughs> and last well, thank but, you. <laughs> no worries whatsoever and last but definitely not least uh from the elton reads a book a week podcast we got elton elton how are you doing i'm here <laughs> i got a question for you what do you Go feel ahead. like your name grew in popularity after clueless came out after clueless came out mm-hmm because Elton was like the the guy on Clueless. He was the the cute one that shared. I, I know a lot about Clueless. I'm not going to explain <laughs> how y'all. I answer no questions. Let's just say Elton was the guy on Clueless. He was the rolling with the. You know what I said to me. Oh right. No, <laughs> I, about the show or the movie? I've never seen either, so I don't know. The movie. I've never seen okay. the show. Actually, you know, um, actually seeing the movie inspired me to see uh what actually precluded clueless um and it turns out it's actually a really good book and a really like a whole bunch of movies were made about it as well i didn't what? know that i didn't know what's, that at all I just, I, I just thought clueless was like a thing what what's the book that pre- that preceded or whatever clueless what hold on like the whole thing yes uh, i didn't know that it's crazy how many movies were actually based on books that we have no idea. I only recently found out that Forrest Gump was a book. Really? There's a I sequel. Know. Gump and Company. He goes yeah. to fucking space. I know. Really? <laughs> With Raquel Welch and a monkey. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. This the sequel is- to Forrest Gump. It's crazy. This sounds like a fever dream. Yeah, so probably. when fever I tell dream, you. Money grab. <laughs> that, one, that one, the money grab part. Um, when I tell you that Clueless, the movie, is mm-hmm. loosely based on a book by Jane Austen, her what? 1815 novel, Emma. Oh. You know what? If 10 Things I Hate About You can be based on Shakespeare, I believe it. You know what? Yeah, That's true. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time, so I will allow it. Is it really? Because yes. I just recently watched it twice uh, for our show for the first time. And um, two two thoughts on that. Number one, I was wondering where the nearest bridge might be. And two, 
I felt so old because I, the dad was my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. The, and I was with him on his side the entire movie. It's like the, it's, that's the reason why we do my other show, Hindsight, because it's like you go back and you see shows that you, or movies that you watched when you were a kid and see it from a completely different angle. There's this movie called uh, House Party. Um, <laughs> and when I was a kid, I thought it was like one of the best movies in the world. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to go to a huge rager and, you know, hang out with my friends and stick it to the man. And when I became, I knew I became an adult when I was like, they broke that boy's mom's toilet. <laughs> Do you know how much it costs to fix a toilet? Y'all broke her toilet. <laughs> like, oh, uh, and then there was another movie that I saw. Uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon this one, but it was called Project X. Oh, right. It's about a rave in a house or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They rave the house so hard that the whole house literally gets torn to pieces. Yeah. Like a two-story, beautiful Tudor house. And I'm just like, I would murder every single child out there. This This is a little known fact that was loosely based on my high school experience. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> a guy showed up, took all of our stories. <laughs> guy well, showed up, asked funny, us questions. It's funny you say that, Melissa, because there were definitely um, autobiographical aspects to my piece of the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. So there are no autobiographical aspects to any of my story parts. I just really enjoyed uh, having the opportunity to tell a story with y'all. Now, to explain how Storytellers works, um, Storytellers is the combination of the age-old game of telephone and the art of storytelling. And what we do is I gather either three or four storytellers, depending on whether or not I, I feel like I should be a part of the story or not. Um, and we randomly decide who's going to go first, second, third, and fourth. The first person, I give them three cards. And the three cards have words on them that need to be used in the first part of the story, but don't have to be a huge part of the story. Um, they finish their segment. It has to be between five and seven minutes. And then they send it back to me. I send their part to the second person who completes their part of the story and sends it back to me. And this word gets interesting. The second person continues the story, but they can't bring it to a climax or end the story. Um, the third person has to bring the story to a climax but they can't end the story. And the fourth person has to end the story. The fourth person has no idea how the story began because they only get the third person's part of the story. The third person only gets the second part of the story. And the second person only gets the first part of the story. So the last person doesn't know how the story began and the first person doesn't know how the story ended until we all get together for a Zoom meeting and we sit down together and we listen to the story and it's usually pretty doggone fetch. Now, for this episode, for this uh, story, we pulled three cards, and the cards were person who has broken something that cannot be replaced, cherished toy, and wig. Now, okay. knowing what the three cards were, Elton, and knowing that you went last, how many of those three cards made it to the end of the story? Actually, I think I tried to mention <laughs> as much as I could. And then I crammed in some at the very end of the story. So I think I hit them, but not in a way that was, I probably should have. <laughs> I think I hit them. I did hit them. I did. Pretty sure I did. But not in the way you think, I think. <laughs> well, let's find out how the story began. So with no further ado, let's go ahead and let's get into Chris's part of the story. Here's part one. Meg stared at the clock, willing the hands to move faster, as she had every day since taking this job at Hanson Capital Management. Her telekinetic powers hadn't manifested yet, but a girl could dream. She knew she should be grateful. Jack Hanson was a decent guy, and others would have killed to be his assistant. But Meg had never envisioned herself working for a hedge fund manager. If her sociology professors could see her now, they'd probably demand her degree back on principle. But as she discovered after college, Principals don't pay bills. So here she was at 28, chained to a desk in a stuffy office on a Friday afternoon, 
praying her last half hour would pass without incident. She had a 5.30 appointment with her bathtub and the Nora Roberts book. But as soon as she heard Jack's strained voice on the intercom, she knew she'd be breaking that date. Mag, I need you in here right now, please. This can't be good, she thought. Jack and his wife were due to leave for St. Bart's the next day, so any major problem was about to become her problem. Meg walked into the plush office, braced for trouble. What's wrong, Jack? He rubbed the bridge of his nose in frustration. We just lost our house sitter. He's in the ER, got hit by a car while he was biking to class this morning. His mother just called me, said he needs three pins in his leg. Ouch, Meg cringed. Yeah, Jack said, plopping in his chair. He's a good kid, doesn't deserve this, and I feel awful being pissed about it while he's lying in a hospital bed. But Diane needs this vacation desperately, and we just don't feel comfortable leaving the house empty for two weeks. I don't blame you, Meg said, though she was nervous about where this was headed. Not with the uptick in robberies the past year. The recession had hit Seattle's middle class hard. Desperate people did desperate things. Meg would know. That's how she wound up working for Jack Hansen. Exactly. Even with the security system, we want someone there. Meg, you know I wouldn't ask if this wasn't an emergency. Oh no, here it comes, she thought. But could you stay at the house for us? We'll pay you double what we were paying Seth for the short notice. Meg sighed. The last thing she wanted to do was live in someone else's space for 14 days. But Jack really was a decent guy who treated her and the rest of his staff very well. Plus, she couldn't turn down that much cash, not with her student loan balance. So she caved. Sure, Jack, it's no problem, as long as I can bring my dog. Jack released the breath he'd been holding. Of course you can, of course. Meg, I can't thank you enough for this. You are a lifesaver. We're flying out at the crack of dawn tomorrow, so I'll give you my keys now and take the spares with me. He handed over the set, which included keys to the garage door, front door, and the mailbox. Then he printed out a document and handed it to Meg. Here's everything you need for the next two weeks. Diane had written everything out for Seth. Alarm code, garage code, instructions for the plants, and whatever else. Sounds easy enough, Meg said, pasting on a smile. I'll head over around 9 tomorrow morning. That's perfect, Jack said, his smile genuine. Head on home for the day. I'll see you when we get back. Have a good time, Jack, and tell Diane not to worry. I'll take care of the house, Meg assured him. So, the next morning, she was in Jack's winding driveway, suitcase in one hand, leash in the other. All right, Murdoch, let's get the lay of the land, shall we? Her hound mix smiled up at her, excited to sniff out a new place. And because he was blind, Murdoch was a champion sniffer. Meg walked into the sprawling home, curious to see how the other half lived. While packing the night before, She realized this house-sitting deal might not be so bad after all. There had to be a jacuzzi in this place. A basket of muffins and a note sat on the gleaming kitchen counter. Dear Meg, she read, thanks so much for house-sitting. Enjoy the muffins and make yourself at home. Diane. Oh, I will, Meg thought with a grin. Now that she was here, she planned to be a little nosy. As she toured the house, she kept Murdoch on his leash to minimize bumps and bruises. He didn't have the skills of his namesake. She checked out her guest suite and several others. They had an entire room just for seasonal storage, which included a cabinet full of wigs. Meg assumed, and hoped, they were for costume parties. The rich really do live differently, she said to Murdoch. A bright pink door at the end of the hall caught her attention. It seemed out of place with the rest of the elegant house. Not sure what to expect, she turned the knob and opened the door to hell. They were everywhere. On the bed, on the sofa. They covered the dresser, the nightstands, even the fireplace. Meg shuddered at the horror. Beanie babies! She croaked. The stuff of nightmares. And the most horrible of them all, Dinky the dodo bird, sat on display in the center of the duvet. Meg turned on her heel, dragging Murdoch out of the hellscape. Had she known Diane was a collector, she never would have agreed to house it. I have to spend two weeks here with those, those things, she cried. She reached a sitting room and fell onto a sofa, hugging Murdoch for dear life. 
In her head, Meg knew she was being ridiculous. They were just stuffed toys. But she couldn't stop what they dredged up in her mind. I'll make some chamomile tea, she said, giving Murdoch a rub. We'll have tea, my sweet boy, and calm down. How's that sound? Murdoch wiggled his tush and they headed to the kitchen, where Meg unclipped his leash. Don't crack your head on anything, buddy. We can't afford to replace even a mug in this place. Meg made tea and an omelet to go with her muffin, figuring she might as well use a real omelet pan while she had one. She ate at the counter, wondering where Murdoch had gone to. Usually, if Meg was eating, her boy was front and center, hoping for a crumb to hit the floor. Then she heard a low growling coming from the family room. Warily, Meg got up to check on Murdoch. And that's when she remembered. I forgot to close the door, she squeaked and sprinted into the family room. But Meg was too late. The one-of-a-kind Dinky the Dodo Bird was now a pile of stuffing. So, um... So, let's let's do this. Let's let's do this. (laughs) I want to... Elton, you go first because you went last in this story, so... You, what do you think about the story? Thus, like, I don't want to. Your face has so many questions on it. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's going to take a hard turn. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a hard turn coming up. Just so Um, you know, it's going to get way deeper than probably logically should be. (laughs) Just so you know, that works for me. A hard turn. I'm fine if Diane turns out to be a serial killer. So I'm good. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna channel my deepest Forrest Gump here. That started out way nicer than I pictured. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not a world traveled man, but I know what music is. Jack and Diane, that's that's John Cougar Mellencamp, right? Yes, it, sir. It just <laughs> popped into my head. <laughs> so Jack was first because for whatever reason I had Jack Crawford in my head that morning. I was I had been thinking about Silence of the Lambs, came up in an episode. So yeah, you caught me. You okay. caught me. You no worries. No worries, because that leads <laughs> to my next story or my next question. So this is based in Seattle. Are you? Because with John Cougar Mellencamp, that's like an East Coast sort of, that's an East Coast thing, isn't it? You are good, sir. You are good. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure. So I thought that it was fucking fantastic. By the way, if y'all haven't started fucking cussing yet on this show yet, that's okay. I'll carry the load. Um, I thought that it was fantastic. I took two pages of notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had to work for this one because yeah. there was so much detail and so much just like splendor that I, I got caught up a couple times and I had to rewind back because I got caught up listening to the story, like just listening to the story, like a, like a listener instead of somebody who's continuing the story. And I had to go back quite a few times and what the fuck did I just miss? <laughs> oh, why the fuck do you hate Beanie Babies? <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, there are some uh, autobiographical elements here. Um, all right. So, yeah, I'm from North Jersey and grew up a tomboy. I spent a lot of time at Yankee Stadium. Okay. Stadium. So, I was one of the uh, lucky 50-something thousand people who happened to be in attendance Back in uh, May 1998, when David Wells pitched his perfect game. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I was 10. Keep that in mind. Don't judge me. Mm-hmm. I uh, don't remember what inning it was. I would love to say it was like the third inning. Probably wasn't. Probably more like seventh. <sighs> I was a little fat kid. And I was hungry. And those pretzels were just staring at me. <laughs> And this kid who I hated from Little League, it was Little League Day. And that's what we were all doing there. I was the only girl, you know, all the boys hated me for it. And um, he had $3 and I wanted a pretzel and he wanted my Beanie Baby. Oh. 
I sold my Beanie Baby for a pretzel when other kids were getting offered a thousand fucking dollars on their way out of the stadium for that goddamn thing. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm not going to bring up Jacob and Esau, but damn it, you just sold your birthright for a bowl of beans. Oh, man. Oh, God. Only Beanie Baby worth something. Right? (laughs) Now, yeah. (laughs) I got a but, pencil out of it. Did you get? You, I think it was probably no, worth it. You mustard. wanted it, the hot dog. So, ah, uh, so you just ate the pretzel dry. Pretzel. Yeah. That's what it was. Oh my god! Why did I think hot dog? Because they go hand in hand at a at a well, at a, to, at to a baseball fair, game. To be fair, I had one of those too just earlier in the game. Ah, uh, you you sold your soul for a pretzel. Um. <laughs> did, okay. I can understand why it would haunt you for the rest of your life. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. Melissa, mm-hmm. what do you think about Chris as part of the story? You're muted. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have <laughs> I have 11 dogs in my house, and uh, you probably don't want to hear them barking. Oh, no worries. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very great. I, I love all this, the description of everything. You could just kind of feel the emotions going through everybody. And you just, you, you saw in your mind, a really vivid picture of what was going on and the emotion. And I really liked it. It was, it was really good, Chris. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say, Chris. At some point, Elton has already stated that at some point this story went completely off the rails. Oh yes, oh yeah. There's gonna be sorry, a hard. Time. That makes sense to me, though. It it makes total sense because what grown woman who's sane would have a room full of Beanie Babies? <laughs> Somebody who I, sold theirs when they were 10 at a David <laughs> Wells perfect game. That's who would have a room full of, I'll never be fooled again. And she bought every Beanie Baby in the world going forward. The end. Never miss an opportunity for a Beanie Baby again. You ever. walked home that day, even though your parents were next to you in the car, like, get in the fucking car. No, I'm walking. But can you turn up the George Michaels, please? I'm never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Did somebody pour water on me so it seems like it's raining? I deserve it. <laughs> What's the pretzel Wait, good, though? <laughs> of course, it was a Yankee Stadium pretzel. It was delicious. You see that thing? It's all it's all a question of value, and I yeah. think I think you got I think you made good on the deal. I mean, and, and by and large, by and large, the day in itself was fucking legendary. With David Wells throwing the perfect game, you getting the pretzel that you wanted. Hey, how are you to know as a ten year old the worth of a beanie baby? Exactly, and I'm sure I remember the game better than Mr. Wells himself, mm-hmm. since he was very likely drunk. Oh yes. <laughs> 150% certain. Yeah, I've seen that dude. He <laughs> looks like he lives for alcohol. Also, if you want to sue me, David, my real name is Martin. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I I kid because I'm a Mariners fan. That's why I was asking about Seattle and your and your your accent, like uh, Seattle Mariners, Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Supersonics. My family's from Washington, so I was like, "Oh wait, what?" <laughs> like, <laughs> she doesn't sound like she's from Seattle. No, she doesn't sound like she would like this place at all. Like no. what? Okay, so again, if I messed, if 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 the story was changed by me. Every I don't think I did. I'm fine. thinking about it now. I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> I it's think fine. That, it's I, fine. I, it's, I hope there's bodies under the floorboards. There's no amount of change you could do that's gonna that's gonna change as much as it's gonna change soon. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. You're all fine. Just, <laughs> You're as long perfect. As, they don't, as long you as they don't the, turn into dinosaurs at some point, should be fine. And no Stephen King <laughs> surprise aliens, dinosaurs, any nonsense <laughs> like that. You know, I did a show a couple months back where the second person turned the lead character into a serial killer. So all bets are off. Um, But with that said, here's my part of this story. 
Here's part two. One day, we didn't even make it one day, Meg said to herself, groaning and rubbing her face. All we had to do was stay here for two weeks and we would have been able to pay off my student loans. But no, Murdoch, you have to go into the one room that we shouldn't have been in in the first place and eat the most valuable thing in this already super valuable house. What do you have to say for yourself? Murdoch barked back happily, tail wagging. Well, I guess you would be happy after you just ate something like that. Of all the options, though, like, you know there's turkey with stuffing in the kitchen, right? You didn't actually have to eat this bird. There's other birds available that you could eat, and they have quail. But no. Let's take out Dinky the Dodo Bird, the most valuable beanie baby in the entire world. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? Only been here one day. Only been here one day. She realized she was rambling. And even worse, she was rambling to a dog who wasn't really paying attention to her, but was actually looking back over his shoulder to see if the door was still open. Oh, no, you don't, Meg shouted and ran towards the door, closing it as quickly as possible. You've already eaten their most valuable possession. You're not eating anything else. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. There's no way I can get out of this. Jack is going to walk into his house with Diane and say, leave Hanson Capital for the rest of ever. I'm going to tell everybody in the world that you were inept. And the crazy thing is, two days ago, I would have been more than happy to leave. I mean, I need the money, but I don't like the job. But now that he's going to fire me, I kind of want to stick around. You know, it's one of those me first sort of things. Before you fire me, I quit. You know, like they do in the movies. But I can't quit if he fires me while I'm on another job at his house. What kind of house sitters are we? We're supposed to take care of everything here, but nope. See a freaky-ass room full of freaky-ass beanie babies, and I freak out, run out the door, leave it open. You come back in and immediately go towards the one that you shouldn't touch. Don't look at me with those puppy dog eyes. Come on, guy. You know you did wrong. Murdoch looked at her. Did you just grin at me? Anyway, you will sit here with me for the rest of this day while we think about what we need to do to fix this situation. <sighs> 14 days. All we had to do was make it. You know what? I bet you we could go on eBay and find a replacement for it. Let's look. Okay. Um, what would you type in? Dinky the Dodo Bird, Beanie Baby, cheap? Ugh, no such luck. Okay, let's go straight to Beanie Baby's website. Do they still have a website? Like, okay, let's go ahead and try that. Dinky the Dodo Bird, Immaculate. Who would pay that? Like, seriously. That's what that's worth now? For that ugly little thing? Like, do you know what a dodo bird looks like, Beanie Baby Creator? Like, that is just hideous. And I am no way, no shape, no how in a place where I could pay $25,000 for that thing. Murdoch, we're going to have to think of something else. Meg looked around the kitchen. She got hungry while she was thinking, so she decided to make herself a sandwich. Murdoch still looked hungry, too, and she was scared that he would go back and eat a wig, so she made him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and threw it on the ground. He wolfed it up happily and sat there. The wigs. Murdoch, I think I have an idea, but... It's going to require us to go into a freakier room than the Beanie Baby room. Come on, let's go. Murdoch licked the floor clean of all of his peanut butter and jelly and patted behind her. They walked back to the wig room and looked around. These are some really nice wigs. Lace fronts, bobs, curls. I've never seen wigs like this. They look so real and so soft. One of them, I would say, even looks like 
cotton. Meg took the beanie baby and looked at the ripped up remains. It's not as bad as I thought. Actually, I don't know how you did this, but you kind of ate it right along the stitching in the back. If I can stitch the bottom, you wouldn't be able to tell if I put it right back into the right place. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Murdoch? God, I hope not, because you're a dog, and that would just be weird. But I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we take that wig and we take a little bit off the sides and back and top and front and middle and we stuff this beanie baby and then I sew it back up and hopefully when they get back home Jack and Diane will never notice a thing wrong with it this could work hmm I need to go get some supplies Somewhere out there in Seattle is a needle, a thread, and a pair of scissors with my name on it. Any way you look at it, let's go, Murdoch. We gotta go stuff a bird. I would like a redo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I thought I thought she was gonna find drugs in that beady baby. You no. know what? <laughs> no. But. I I'm I'm actually mad at myself that I didn't think of them having like heroin stuffed in the beanie babies. And they'd be selling them on the internet to people. Well, oh, <laughs> Oh, drug runners in the underground city of Seattle. Oh, Derek. Yeah, there's an underground city there. That's right. Uh, Chris, what would you think about that part of the story? Well, I will say I'm a little upset with Meg. She's not as good a dog owner as I, I thought she was, uh, given, given Murdoch that PB&J. <laughs> she, didn't, she forgot the dog food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was panicked. It was a panicky <laughs> moment. Everybody panics. Matter of fact, let's see what Melissa thinks about it because Melissa has like 10 or 11 dogs running around. Melissa, what do you think about the part of the story? I love it because I, I can so relate to dogs eating everything they're not supposed to eat and just puts you in a million different predicaments. Um, everyone in my life tells me the way I'm going to go is one of my dogs is going to trip me and I'm going to fall downstairs or, you know, a tragedy like that or jumping on my lap while I'm driving, which might be an indication of where the story is going to take a little turn. And <laughs> get a little bit different on my part, but, <laughs> but I, I, I really liked your part. Cause I felt that panic. Like, no, you did something you were not supposed to do. Oh, I feel that pain in my soul. <laughs> yeah, I envision my death much the same way, Melissa. <laughs> Y'all envision your death that way, but for me, that's just Tuesday. <laughs> Elton, I am scared to hear your part. Oh my god. I'm glad god, that there's yeah. another part before we get to your part, but what'd you think about that part of the story? Uh, odd. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like everyone else at the archery contest. They're hitting bullseyes. <laughs> and I'm I'm trying to hit planes. That's just <laughs> like, and I don't mean to. <laughs> They're just flying up there and people are like, why'd you even show up? Like that that's where I am right now. I keep I keep comparing it as I listen to each part. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> oh, I can't man. wait to hear your part. I can't Dude. wait. We are at the just Olympic trials for archery and Yes. This man, Elton, has pulled out a boomerang. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Just tell me Murdoch survives. That's all I care about. Does he have drugs in his stomach? (laughs) How did you guess? I don't want to spoil it, but time has passed. Oh, my goodness. Time has passed. I am not scared. 
I am, I am, I am amused. The next step is we have Melissa's part of the story. Elton, I do have to ask again, just, just this one thing, being that you were the last part of the last person uh, in this story is the story in any way on like a scale of one being fuck no and five being perfect. How close is this story to where you were when you got it at the end? Okay, at this look. Point? Okay, look. It started out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> it so, started out way, di- way different than <laughs> anything I could have imagined ever. Oh my god! And it's and it's still going that way. And I'm, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> so. so it, You'll hear it and be just as disappointed as I am. So I, I don't think I'll be disappointed, but <laughs> it's going to take a wild turn. Unpredictable. I'm looking forward to it. Melissa, we're going to go ahead and listen to your part now. So here's part three of this story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Being frantic never helped anyone. I can pace back and forth, or I can find my keys. I hope you didn't eat those too, Murdoch, you son of a bitch. All right. Oh, I left him in the ignition. We're miles away from anywhere. Why would I need to bring him in? Let's go. We loaded up our belongings, smiling and whistling almost in happiness, knowing that I could fix a stupid bird once and for all. I went out to grab my keys. Road trip, Murdoch, let's go. He jumped in the car. I went to turn the ignition. No keys. No, don't tell me no keys. I know I left them here. I know it. Okay, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat or stuff a dodo or whatever the hell they say these days. I can always take that trip to Seattle in the morning. I'm sure I can find something around here. There's about 97 rooms in this house. Come on, Murdoch, let's go. Besides, it is creepy as hell out here. I feel like someone's watching me. All right, Murdoch, let's see what we can find behind door number one. Shoes? Shoes, okay. Well, at least you didn't get into here. There's shoes in here. Shapes, sizes, every color imaginable. That's kind of weird because only one man and one woman live here. There's got to be a thousand pairs of shoes in here well I could always use the laces to sew up the doll Mm, no let's just close door number one that's very odd all right buddy hopefully we find something better behind door number two oh boxes lots and lots of boxes well I guess we could take a peek okay pictures looks like they have a very rich social life They know a lot of women, which makes me feel a little bit ashamed of my lack of social life. But hey, whatever works for them. But this is not going to work for this damn dodo bird we have to fix now, is it, Murdoch? Whoa. These are a lot of weird pictures. Very strange. I'd love to sit here and examine all the beautiful women in these photos and feel even worse about myself. But hey... I don't think this is going to get us anywhere. So let's move on to door number three. Oh, that's weird. It's locked. But I do remember where I saw them put down their key. Murdoch, why are you backing away? I know something doesn't feel quite right, does it? I don't know. My blood feels cold. The hair on my arms is standing up. But I can't not look. We have to turn on the light, Murdoch. We have to. Let's both be brave. Come on, Murdoch. Be be by my side. Come on, Murdoch. Come on. All right, you just sit there and be a chicken, Murdoch. I'm going to turn the stone up. I'm going to turn on the light. Uh, what is, what is that, Murdoch? Why would anyone need a table like that? Why would anyone need a drain in a room in a house? What is going on here, Murdoch? What is going on? Tell me that red stain on the floor is paint. Tell me they're artists. Wait, no. They're stockbrokers, Murdoch. What is going on here? What is going on? I'm sure there's something in this closet that's going to make this all make sense. I don't know why I'm so nervous, Murdoch. I don't know why. Let's look in this cabinet. 
are those wigs? More wig. More. Oh my God, Murdoch. Oh my God. These are wigs. They're fresh wigs. They have hair. They have skin. There's blood. Oh my God. Oh my God. What's going to happen? What? What is this? Tell me this isn't so. Tell me. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm not sticking around to find out. I'm calling 911. 911? Yes, my name is Meg. I need help. There's something strange going on here. Hello? 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 Static. I found something in this house. Hello? Hello? Damn you, T-Mobile. All right, all I know is I'm gathering up my stuff. I'll hitchhike if I have to. I'll walk if I have to, but I'm getting out of this house. It took only two minutes for me to gather my things and gather my dog. We're on the road. What are those headlights? Is that Jack and Diane's car? They're back early. I guess the dodo bird is the last thing I have to worry about. Unless my blood ran cold. How can the scalps with blood get into the house? Their house. The pictures. The shoes. Pictures, shoes, scalps. I'm going to be their next victim. Oh, the hell I am. I'm out. We run 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. The headlights are getting closer and there's nowhere to hide. Nowhere to go. I lay flat. I don't think they can see me, but they can see this dog. This dog that created this problem, this dog is going to end this problem. Well, the problem of my life. Murdoch, lay down. Lay down, Murdoch. Gosh, you never did listen. I should have put you in those obedience classes. Nothing to do but pray now as I see their car approaching. I know they see me. I know they see Murdoch. And I see the axe. I hear Diane laughing. I hear Jack coming. A happy song. And then Murdoch starts to howl. Shut up, Murdoch! Shut up! But wait. Murdoch only howls when he hears... Sirens. Sirens are coming. Sirens are coming. I see the lights. I see the whites of Jack's eyes. I see the whites of Diane's eyes. I see the confusion and the shock and the horror. They never thought they would get caught. Most rich people don't. Their whispers are getting about as frantic as my heartbeat. Then Diane walks slowly over to me, looks me in the eye and says, Yes. Yes, Meg, you are going to be next. We know you found the room. We saw you. We've been watching you. We know about the bird. We don't care about the bird. We wanted your skull. That was going to be next. Now, Megan, the way we see it is you have two options. You can forget what you saw and become a very rich woman. You'll never have to lower yourself to work for anyone again. You'll be a self-made millionaire. All you have to do is promise to say nothing. What it boils down to, Megan, is does good prevail or does evil prevail? The sirens got closer and closer, and I saw the headlights. I looked at Murdoch, I looked at Jack, I looked at Diane, and I told Murdoch, bark one for yes, two for no. I think back on that experience a lot. I think about the battle versus good and evil. I thought about life and death, and the battle of rich and poor, and I have to say, I like life a whole lot more after I cashed that $5 million check. So that's the cliff. That's where the that's 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 the part where the episode. Okay, I didn't listen. So when you kept saying Elton that at some point it's going to take a sharp turn, I thought it was my fault. Melissa, two things. One. That took on a very Blair Witch Project vibe for me. Now you see it from my point of view. I At thought the that beginning, was, I'm like, wait, what? No. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Like, I thought that was really, really well done. And I love the like. Okay, let me take some time out to 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 really just absorb what just happened. Chris, while I'm thinking about what just happened, what do you think about this story? Well, you know what's really funny is that back during your part, Derek. When you started feeling the wigs and everything, I thought at that moment, oh, shit, those are going to be real human hair. Those are scalps. <laughs> yeah. And that was not in your mind at all. But it, like through osmosis got to Melissa somehow. 
<laughs> from my serial killer obsessed brain. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that... I, I heard the thread. I heard the thread. <laughs> I, you know, you never know what's going to be <laughs> absorbed by the next person. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that it was in Seattle. Like that was my biggest thing was that I mentioned it was in Seattle and that there were wigs. I did not in any way, shape or form think that this is a horror house. Um, the biggest little horror house in Seattle. I was not ready for that. I thoroughly applaud though. Like that was dope. <laughs> And the the sound effects were amazing. Yeah, somewhere else. My dog actually chimed in at the right time. I was like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, I kept, I kept hearing once. dogs. And I was like, "Did you add in sound effects? Like, what's?" <laughs> I had to edit out a whole lot of barking throughout my whole part. <laughs> that made it even better because the editing and the pausing and the stopping made it more of a herky jerky story that made it sound like you were literally panicked. Yeah. It sounded sound like you were doing it for real. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was excellent. So, Elton, now we know where you're coming from. <laughs> well, okay. Just so I, you know. I, I give Meg credit, though, because I wouldn't have gotten past the shoes. <laughs> because I know about Robert Picton, so as soon as I open a door and see way too many shoes, I'm out. That's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's, yeah, uh, Elton. I like a redo, sir. Are, are you are you ready to put your feather in the cap of this wonderful tail and uh, call it macaroni? Mac, it, the, yes, macaroni. Absolutely, that. <laughs> I can't wait for your part. I can't wait. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am. I am uh, looking forward to this. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to have me on here again. It's fine. Oh no, I have plans already. Trust I feel me. the same way. Trust me. Oh. Trust me, I have plans already. It was so good, and I'm like, I got to do. I got to try. I got to try and do something. And then I heard the beginning. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> oh man. With no further ado, let's go ahead and get to Elton's part, the conclusion to this story. Surrounded by her dimly lit hospital room, the nightly soundtrack of soft beeps from monitors and machines should have carried her to sleep, but it didn't. Her eyes were fixed on the ceiling. What would you have done? She muttered aloud. The same, yeah? Behind all the do-good melodrama, we're the same. Despite all the good and evil nonsense... We know the truth, right? The night chirped and blinked. The floor-to-ceiling windows gave her a beautiful view of the skyline, a hallmark of expensive health insurance. Meg spoke again. Yeah, you would have done the same. She pulled up her covers. Talking to yourself, Meg. The things we do for sleep. The fog of sleep rolled in. Her eyes grew heavy. In the corner, something moved. Reflexively, she opened her eyes and waited, trying to focus her hearing. Is someone there? Nothing. Trick of the light, she thought. Settling again, for a time, stillness, beeps, whooshes, and wheezing, heaviness. Until there wasn't. A shift. The corner. A chair. She reached for her glasses on the bedside table, but her fingertips sent them spinning, clattering to the floor. Damn it! She looked to the corner. A figure, slightly darker than the shadows around it. It looked to be sitting, with its legs crossed head resting on one hand as if the shadows had tired of being on the floor and coalesced to use a chair for the first time and now grew bored with it. Who are you? She asked. I see you there. You're not supposed to be here. The darkness remained. Leave! She ordered. Nothing. Oh, I see. I'm calling the nurse. Nurses. Doctors. Security. Security will come. The darkness remained unchanged. I'm warning you. One push from this button, she groped under her sheets, weaving her hands through the wires connecting her to the monitors and a blood pressure cuff, and she found the call button, pulled it free, and then a vision of bloodied wigs, a table, a drain, stopped her cold. Steadying her voice, she asked the shadow, what did you hear? It shifted. Answer me, what did you hear? 
the corner, motionless now. She thought back, trying to remember if what she had recounted earlier was in her mind or said out loud. What you heard, it was a story. The shadows looked on. Oh, I see now. Oh, you know, is that it? This, this is what? Blackmail? Too bad. You're too late. She waited for a response. Or, or is this something else? Do you want a confession? For what? I did what anyone else would do. You included. I never hurt anyone. Jack and Diane, that's who you want. Those monsters. Disgusting. Me? I did what I had to do. She tried closing her eyes to the darkness. They beat the system, you know, and would have come for me if I didn't take that money. What good would that have done, huh? I would have been another one, a victim, gone. I weighed the options. Oh, sit there in your ignorance, fine. I took what was offered, so what? I also made things better, didn't I? I've helped hospitals, helped children. I gave. I I made up the difference. I honored the victims. You son of a bitch pointing fingers. Your binary morality. It's not that simple. Many people live better lives because of me, you bastard. Spare me your righteous indignation. No, I have a wonderful life, and I won't be made to feel sorry about it. Not by you, my family, not myself, not anyone. You don't get to look down your nose and say, Five million dollars. Is that all it took to buy your soul? You're a monster. It doesn't work that way. You don't have the right. You've never had to make that choice. You don't get to judge me having never done so. No, you're no better than I am. Because in the end, only God can judge. The buzzing and beeps quickened. Soundlessly, the shadow leaned forward. Is that it? What this is? All about? N no. No, listen, I'm... I'm Okay, right, right. I... I, I could have I could have done more. I should have screamed it. Screamed uh, from a rooftop something, right? Please. I, I Look, I still can, you know. <laughs> Don't do this. Something squeezed her arm. She screamed, slapping at it, twisting and pulling away from it. This can't be the end. No, please, not now. The lights flicked on as two nurses entered the room. Meg, calm down. You're fine. No. Meg, stop. Look, look, hey, look, look, it's the blood pressure cuff, Meg. Settle down. She fought back, screaming, he's here. He's right here. Don't, don't you see him? He's, he has me. Let me go. I can fix it. I can fix, I can fix it. Ignoring her, one nurse does his best to both calm and restrain her, while the other moves toward her IV pole. I I'll keep her still. Just put that injection, in the injection port there. Yeah, just go easy on the plunger. Right? Steady, right? The other worked her IV drip. The effect was immediate. She slackened. Her words thickened and slowed. He's here now. I've done... He knows. He's, he's in the chair. The nurse eased her down onto her pillow, her breathing getting heavier. There you go, Meg. Back to sleep. Jesus, said the nurse man in the IV. Every single night, answered the other, pulling up her covers. Sometimes more than once. For how long? For me? I don't know. What? Almost six years? God, poor lady. Yeah, I mean, she was rich once, though, I heard, he said while resetting her monitors. What happened? Oh, I don't know. Hey, uh, pick up her glasses over there. Set them on the table. All right. Hey, the, the room is nice, though, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not sure how much it matters if you're screaming in it every night. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. What was she yelling about? They made their way to the door and turned off the light. It's always something about shadows and a torn-up dodo bird and bloody wigs. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Let's go have a smoke. I'll tell you all about it. The door swung into place. The handle clicked solidly amid the soft beeps of monitors and machines. Jesus Christ, what the fuck were you worried about, bro? It started with Beanie Babies. What the Your fuck were you worried about? That is the that that's fucking fantastic. It's amazing. Amazing. It started with house sitting with Beanie Babies. Look, look, what? I look. I know a story of a girl who shed a tear and drowned the whole world. That things changes as stories go on. That was fucking fantastic. Elton, this sounds perfectly logical in my brain. 
Oh, right? it, it truly does. Because so when I was thinking about the Beanie Babies, I was also thinking about Jack Donaghy on Thirty Rock and his cookie jars. Oh, right. And creepy Steve Buscemi, and I'm like, on a different show, that would be all kinds of dark. Jack would be a very different guy. So yeah. Oh no, marvelous, sir. Chef's kiss. Perfect. That's. I told, I told you I brought him. Mentioned Both it at the end. Both of you, <laughs> yes, Melissa? for absolutely for bringing in serial killers. Melissa, thoughts? I love it. it I love it. It's just, it's great. I love it. Ugh. I felt like my part was a little cheesy, and he just like slammed it home, and it was really, really great. I so loved it. I do have a question. Did she go insane because of what she did? I figured. That's a hard choice to make. And the part I heard, she took the money. She was like, I'm just going to take this money and be like, fucking fuck it. I, this, I'm doing right by me. But I figured that would probably eat at somebody in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, they would justify it for themselves. But then eventually there's another side of you that's like, probably wasn't the right thing, man. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and a third side of, oh, they might just kill me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was like, there, how would that manifest? You might go a little crazy. You might start imagining, like projecting that thing into reality. The one, the thing that's watching you is you. It, I got convoluted, but I tried <laughs> to keep it simple. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was perfect. Oh, I did. It started with Beanie Babies. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Anybody with a room full, any story with a room full of Beanie Babies should end in a mental institution. I, I heard right? Dodo Bird. And was like, wait, wait, what? Go! <laughs> I I had to listen to it many times. I'm like, no, that's that's a dodo bird, all right. That what is a real hell? thing, by the way. I looked up a list of like the worst Beanie Babies of all time, and that was. Oh, right. it's a real thing. Is that worth anything? I have no idea. Probably not. It's a dodo bird. <laughs> is it worth the cost of your soul? We'll never know. Oh my god! <laughs> I told you it took a turn. I was like, oh man. That was perfect. I will not hear a word in the opposite. That was absolutely (laughs) perfect. So, Chris, please tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. (laughs) All right. So at the Madam's Podcast, uh, my co-host Amy and I, we are all about the movie. We are all about movies minus the mansplaining. So every Monday, we pick a different film that is – that fits into an overall theme for the month, an overall theme of our choosing. So for the month, uh, when is this coming out, Derek? Today. The, oh, the episode's coming out t- tonight? Yeah. I'm, as soon as we get done, I'm going to edit it and put it out. I've been podcasting for 13 years. It's pretty much snippety oh, wow, snappity okay. snoop. Damn. Okay. So for the num- so for the month of September, we are headed back to school. We are very excited, and uh, I also have a big upcoming event. That uh, is it okay if I give you the link? Oh for yes. You? Okay. I also have a big upcoming event in November. Very excited. I am a presenter at the National Women's Studies Association annual conference. Going to be giving going to be giving a presentation on women's representation. In comic book movies, specifically the live action Spider Verse. Okay, is yeah. it going to be a? It, what, where's this happening at? So this is actually happening in Minneapolis, and I live right outside of Baltimore, so it's a bit of a hike. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually started a GoFundMe uh, for the travel expenses, and I would greatly appreciate uh, whatever contributions anyone can make for this. Uh, and if you guys could uh, share it on your social media platforms, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Definitely. Got you. Got you. Make sure that you um, <clears throat> put the link and the information for that uh, into the group chat so I can make sure to put it into the show notes. Uh, but definitely, definitely. Uh, Melissa, this is a bit uh, a bit beyond the pale, but tell them something about yourself. I don't think you have a podcast. I do not. I am a small business owner, a dog groomer. I read and show American bullies and I'm an avid reader, um, listener of literature, podcasts, um, lots of media. 
And it might surprise you with my part of the story, but you know, I'm not a podcaster. I just have a <laughs> sick mind and I thought this will be a lot of fun and I really love doing it. It was great. I hope to be part of another one. I'm so glad you joined us for this, first of all. And secondly, I the, the more I heard your voice, I was like, you know what? She could do a podcast. And I if you, you did a podcast, just as a thought, if you did a podcast regarding American pit bulls about about the bullies that you take care of and, and you know, talk with other owners, talk with breeders, talk with whomever, that would be a niche that would also double back and benefit your business. I might have thought. to do that. Thank you. I might have to do that. Yeah, you were really good. Like, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. <sighs> Elton, really go ahead and tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. No, I'm not special. I'm named after Elton John. That's all you need to know. <laughs> That's you know what didn't even come to my mind. Immediately thought about Clueless. Like I'm That's not joking. I figured. I figured it's Elton John. I did not <laughs> see. I'm black, so um, <laughs> I immediately think about rolling with the homies, and I love Elton John. I sing. I'm still standing at every karaoke bar I can that'll have me, and I still didn't think about Elton John. I went <laughs> I was, straight to a movie that is literally probably younger than Elton. So, and I'm over here like I'm a rock man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I read a book a week and i do a podcast about all the books i read yes that i don't is. read it it's very i used to write comedy a long time ago and uh they started piling up everywhere and pissing off my wife so <laughs> she was like what are you doing with these books so, <laughs> so i have a microphone i used to be a musician too in a band and so i uh i had the recording equipment and I, so many books and then I was like, well, I used to write stuff, so maybe I'll write a podcast and then I can make the, you know, the monkey on my back dance. <laughs> For those so y'all who are listening podcast. and wondering, I'm counting like 30 books. This is this is by my computer. There's more in the other room upstairs. There's like six bookshelves filled. I got a whole nursing course upstairs. Awesome. <laughs> you know. I, as a avid reader, just the name of your podcast alone drew me to you. And I think you're doing a fantastic job, sir. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Um, so, again, this is Storytellers, and I'm Derek. Um, you can uh, email the show at storytellerspod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at story tailspin that's t-a-l-e-o-e-o -E -O, um for all y'all disney fans out there uh you can also contact me in my primary uh twitter account which is uh ratchet book club um the voicemail number is 916-633-1537 you can leave a review for the show on spotify it literally takes like nine seconds you just hit the star and then you hit five and then you're done with it um, you can also leave a review on Podchaser, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. That'll take you 13 minutes unless you use Google Voice to text, which is available on Google Docs. I just want to make it easy for all of us. You can also donate to the show at patreon.com backslash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. There's a tip jar. All money goes towards buying books for the Ratchet Book Club, buying movies for Hindsight, and buying TV series for the RTO Podcast Network. Thank you again for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. If you think you can tell a story, you probably can. If you want to join me in making a story, feel free to contact me. Either way it goes, thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
The theme music for Storytellers was provided by Revolution Void, and it's called Someone Else's Memories. You can find it at the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my dad, and you said it.